As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Over the past 11 years. I have a couple of bag of tricks. I take, uh, don't tell anybody in Wisconsin, that I take uh, hand warmers. He's been the man behind the scenes. All of a sudden, I see this face pop up. An undercover operative. Hey, Brian, listen to me. He is up on the van peeking in the windows. And stakeout specialist. And so now I'm hiding on the floor, but I can't peek up yet. With an identity we could never share. Until now. Here's the other thing. This was our secret. And now. <laughs> <laughs> and now it Not won't anymore. be anymore. Not anymore. This week on Open Record, we say goodbye to producer Pete. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week by most of the Fox 6 investigative team. We have Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hello. We have executive producer of Open Record, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello. The man of the hour is the person Open Record listeners know only as producer Pete. And we're about to reveal his real name for the first time on the podcast right now. Wait, wait, wait. I feel like we need a drum roll. Let's pause for the drum roll. His real name is Stephen Davis. Welcome back to Open Record, Pete slash Stephen. Thank you, thank you. And uh, my name sounds like I'm undercover anyway, doesn't it? It's it, that's right. It's it's common. We are now. I should point out we are recording this episode on Thursday, December fifteenth. And if you're wondering why we are unmasking Pete slash Stephen after all these years, it's because he is unfortunately, sadly, leaving the Fox Six investigators. We're going to talk about why. A bit later on, but I want to start things off, Stephen, by talking about how you ended up doing this for a living. I don't know if when you came into this, you knew you were going to be doing this for 11 years and all the things I would send you out to do in all that time. But uh, how did you come to be a Fox 6 investigative reporter and hidden camera surveillance specialist? Yeah, so it was kind of a fluke, really. I mean, it was something I always wanted to do. I originally uh, in news was a photographer for a long time and I dabbled in it. And when I accepted this job, I think uh, you guys ask, hey, have you ever done investigative stuff before? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was nothing like the things you've asked me to do. I I, <laughs> I dabbled in it. Like, it's like asking a baby if he could run a 40-yard dash, right? And then you got pushed in. <laughs> pushed in, yeah. And so uh, that's how I got in. So it's it satisfied one of the goals that I've had in the career that I've had. Uh, it is, to me, probably it's the uh, best job in the building. It, it, you get a lot of freedom. There's a lot of stress to it. But it's there's nothing like uh, watching a long form piece come together and having a, a uh, the pressure to get the shot that you need <laughs> is one thing. But then when you get it is is very satisfying. And so for the, me, that has been the, uh, the the fun part for me. And when you get that shot and you know that you can complete the rest of it. And and it's been fun. 
So um, I just think about uh, the many times that I'm sitting in a van. And, you know, I got to tell you, you know, doing this in a seasonal place is is weird because you got to deal with the snow. You got to deal with the hot weather. And, you know, you develop tricks and, you know, Brian, you'll come in, you say, hey, uh, I got this guy I want you to sit on. And uh, I'm like, yeah, OK, OK, OK. And then the first thing I usually always think if it's July, I'm like, I hope I can do this in an hour. And it never falls. It never falls into an hour. Um, and then, you know, January and February, are a little different on the other end of the scale. Um, you know, I, I do the uh, I don't like to tell Wisconsinites that I use the hand warmers because it's frowned upon in these parts to use cheating, heating elements in a van. Uh, but, you know, you get through it. And then uh, Brian and I, you, you and I have talked many times about uh, the the ways not to get caught. And we laugh now about, I think I've been caught four times. When you say caught, we're, we're, we're talking about you know, doing surveillance, right? We're talking about you trying to get video of someone who maybe doesn't want to be found or who doesn't want to be a part of whatever story we're doing. And so you don't want them to know that that's what you're there to do. You're not doing something wrong. I think we talked about this a long, long time ago and we did a, an episode entitled The Art of Surveillance. And we talked about that very thing and sort of getting caught. I, I want to take a step back before we go deeper into that, though, because we haven't really told people what it is you do. I mean, and, and there, and, and I don't know if when you came in, you knew what that was going to be. You said you, you had dabbled in doing photography and, and you have your hands in a lot of things. We don't talk about your name on here because there are things you do where it's helpful for you to have some anonymity, right? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, um, I, I described this job when people ask me what I do. I said, I disrupt the lives of dishonest Americans is how I put it. And that usually gets a laugh. People like think that's funny. Um, and then it, you know, it doesn't get you any trouble. You know, nobody, nobody dislikes that guy, right? If you like, if he's dishonest, he's dishonest. So that's how I usually describe it. But uh, the other part of that is, um, you know, there's a lot of freedom in this job of developing projects and developing stories that I really enjoyed. And I like that a lot. Um, and, and being a part of the team effort, and knowing that you have a, a, a valid uh, stake in how all this turns out. And so in being able to join this team was uh, a lot more fun than I ever imagined it would be. Because you really don't know when you take a job how much fun you're going to have. And that's not the goal sometimes is to have fun. But I think it's easy to say that we all had a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it's like a family. We've had our arguments about whether we thought a story was a good idea or that. And one of the things that I always appreciated about Brian is uh, Brian will make you prove why it's a story. And so you can say, hey, I got this idea. And the look on your face is like, so what? <laughs> right. And then it's like, well, what do you well, how, how can you prove the story? And that's not a slam on you. I don't want you to take that as I, I've, I've, I have taken my um, Brianisms. Uh, to a new level, because when I've, you know, in, in recent years, um, we've had a go at some good stories. And that's because I've done the legwork to try to make the other stuff happen. So I just wanted you to know in front of everyone that I've appreciated that approach and it, and it has stayed with me. 
Well, you, you, you point that out, Steve, because we just, uh, this last, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, uh, we, we won an Emmy for a story that started with you and a tip you received. A man named Michael Poe, who had been, uh, you know, had been tackled by police officers who thought he shot his friend when, in fact, he was actually just taking his friend to the hospital to try to save his life. And, and that was one where you, in a moment's notice, said, Brian, I think this is a good story, but we got to get him. We got to talk to him now. And uh, you know, get this while we while we can. And you shot all the video, and and you kind of worked that thing. And it obviously it turned out. But there have been plenty of other times you've come to me and said, Brian, I've got this this great idea, and I've said it, it needs more. What, what else? How, how? What? What's? What's the bigger story here? And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure at times that's been frustrating. Right. Uh, George Ramsey is another one where you said uh, do more on it, and we did, and that turned out to be another good. Uh, story that exposed uh, some wrongdoing on several levels. He was a, th- a therapist accused of sexual abuse who actually, as it turned out, uh, in, in the records you had received from Milwaukee police that you'd requested, we found he had a, a long history of uh, of being accused of raping women and had gotten away with it. Um, and and, uh, and only now all of that's sort of coming to roost with, with felony charges. Now, I came in a little bit later than Stephen. I've been at Fox 6 longer, but I wasn't doing iTeam and C6 stuff. Um, so when I came in, I, you know, I knew Steven, but then I started hearing producer Pete, producer Pete, where did producer Pete, I still don't know. I've been on the iTeam doing stuff. I'm still always like producer Pete. Haha. Yeah. Producer Pete. Where did that come from? Like who, who came up with it? Because people in the hallway call me Pete. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, why are you calling me Pete? Time, I was like, is there, a, is there an employee? I don't know. Like, yeah. I think we wanted to talk to him about something and we didn't want to reveal his identity. So we came up with it for open record. Sometime in that first year, we had you on and came up with producer Pete. But Steven, you've got such an interesting job because you're kind of a jack of all trades, right? Like one day you're tracking down a photo all day. The next day you're shooting something with me. The next day you're in a van. I mean, what... What exactly were you doing every day? Because it changed every day, the responsibilities you had. And you kind of just flew by the seat of your pants with whatever we needed at the moment we needed it. Yeah, it's uh, so, you know, it's it's trying to find a place to fit in the task that needs to be done. You know, if you if you guys have surveillance that butts up against each other for contact six or or the I team, and that can be a little difficult. But uh, just keeping an open mind and, and, you know, um, I, I like to think of, of how do you think about it is direct and specific and non-confrontational. Like it all has to get done. There's no need to get upset about it. Um, um, there's urgency to all of it. And you, you, the, the one thing you don't want to say is no. And so I try not to say no. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes is, we don't let you say no <laughs> sometimes you don't let me say no so and and thinking of it that way has helped uh adjust to the schedule because it goes up and down and there's there's no schedule to the schedule sometimes um this week in particular you know like i'm jenna's i have teased her about it many times we get in the car i gotta <laughs> shoot and we get outside the building and she says, oh, I'm going to add another shoot to this. I'm like, OK, that's fine. And then we get going and she's like, I have four more. I said, well, you know, are they in the county? Yes, they're in Milwaukee <laughs> County. OK, OK. So, you know, um, or Brian, one of the things I really hated about this, he sent me to do surveillance a couple of times in Chicago. 
And I was like, remember the guy, what was the guy that was stealing IDs? He was stealing, was stealing it. And you said, you got to go to Chicago and sit on this guy. And I'm like, in Chicago, are you crazy? And I'm like, okay, okay. And so I had to get up like 2.30 in the morning to drive two hours to get there before he got up to leave his house, right? <laughs> and I got out. This is one of my one of my favorite things because after I sat there and I'm sitting there and I'm mad and I'm like, this is dumb. This guy's not going to be here. I've already missed him and this, that, and the other. I got to be in traffic. And then I saw this guy watering his lawn that was a neighbor. And I went out, I got out of the van because <laughs> the van is covered up. It's got curtains covered. So I got out, which I probably had to look like I'm a criminal. And I go to this guy and I said, hey, are you neighbor to whatever the guy's name is? He says, yeah. And he says, I can already tell I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> and I said, well, I haven't told you who I am yet. And he said, I said, well, you know, I'm Steve Davis and I work at Fox 6 in, in Milwaukee. He says, well, you're in Chicago. I said, I know. <laughs> and so he said, I said, he said, what do you want with me? I said, I just want you to let me know if you know of your neighbor's uh, habits. I said, I don't want you to, you're not revealing anything. I just want to know what time does he come home? What time does he leave for work? Can you tell me that? And he told me, which was very, very helpful. Told me this days off, that kind of extremely thing. Extremely helpful, as yeah. it turned out. And so when I get back, I said, Brian, I'm not going to Chicago on Tuesday. I'll go on Wednesday because the guy doesn't come home. And Brian's looking at me like, how do you know that? I said, oh, I'm friends with his neighbor. And so, <laughs> you know, but the only thing is he wouldn't let me park in his driveway. I tried to get that and he wouldn't let me do that. Um, he didn't want any part of it. But uh, that, that turned out real well, too. We've, it didn't take as long as it, well, as it should have. In that. I, I will tell you, and this is, the, this is the thing you're talking about that I think is so fascinating about what you have learned over the years of doing this job. And, and Jenna was right. Jenna, when you say he's a jack of all trades, Stephen's this utility man who one day he's at the courthouse pulling case files that are important to us or looking up search warrants. Another day he's on surveillance in a van. Another day he's picking up the camera and, and, and turning on the photography skills. But in a case like this, where you were doing surveillance in Chicago on this guy, it's the, and you've learned this, Stephen, over the years, you and I have talked so much about this. It's intelligence gathering. You're trying to figure out how can I maximize the chance I'm going to see this person or find this person. And the only information you might have is a home address. You might have the description of a car. If you're lucky, you find out when and when they leave for work, when they come home. And the more you know about their habits or what to look for with a car in the driveway or whatever, the better the chance you know they're there or they're not there when they're coming or going. And you know that if you talk to a neighbor, it's a double-edged sword. You're rolling the dice because if it's a neighbor who knows them, they're going to give you up. They're going to go tell their neighbor, hey, Fox 6 was here looking for you. You, 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 you rolled the dice that day and it paid off because that neighbor gave you the info of when he leaves for work, when he comes home. And I was there the next day with, uh, I think it was photographer, now our chief photojournalist, Kale Zimney. I think it was Kale. I, I, I can't be sure about that in my, my recollection, but I know it was the day of the Boston Marathon bombing because I'm sitting in the van and we're listening to the coverage of this Boston Marathon bombing. And my brother, who is a marathon runner, was in that race. And I was glued to the radio, listening to what was going on. And seconds later, sure enough, the guy came out when you said he was coming out. <laughs> he came out to leave for work and we were able to talk to him. And he was the subject of a story on identity theft. And it ended up being a great interview that was a real key piece. But it's because you rolled the dice and you got the info from that neighbor that paid off. That's one of those skills that you it, it's almost it's not taught. You sort of learn it the more you do it. Right. Well, right. And, you know, and I've been busted before. Uh, we did the story on Lee Hagopian and 
the uh, years eye ago, doctor, the eye doctor, phony eye doctor, right? And we did undercover with him inside his office, and he was really nice to me, not so much to you, Brian, but. Uh, <laughs> And he recognized me the last time we did it. I went in to talk to him because it had been maybe three or four years since we did anything on him. And I'm in the office with him. And, you know, you can't lie in any of this. That's just uh, something you can't do. I didn't think about doing it, but I just for people to know that you just you can't. That's unethical. Um, and I was in there talking to him and he goes, I think I know you. And I didn't say anything. He says, I know you. He says, you work at Fox 6, don't you? And I just started laughing. I said, Lee, I do. How are you? And he says, how am I? I want you to leave. That's how I am. <laughs> I will add, though, Stephen, I think this helps him in his work. He's very likable and approachable. And I think that really, I mean, you're an absolute joy to spend time in the car with. Like one of my favorite people to work with. And I think that helps you when approaching people you don't know, saying, can I park my car on your driveway all day? I think that really helps just the fact that you're so darn likable. Well, that ha that worked for me. We did the, uh, Jenna, your story on the contractor, his name, the cash guy. And yep. I, I had to go out there at four in the morning in a in a neighborhood that doesn't have sidewalks or cars parked on the street. So when you're there in a van, every neighbor knows that that van does not belong there. And I knew, I was like, 6.30, 7 o'clock, someone's gonna call the police on me, I know it. And so a woman came out of her house, knocked on the window and said, what are you doing in my neighborhood? <laughs> I, was, I rolled down the window and took all the curtains off so she could see, because I didn't want her to feel unsafe by my presence. So I took that all off, you know, we have it where you can just rip it off. And I told her who I was. I told her what I was doing. I said, I'm watching your neighbor. And I said, I'd really like it. I can't get the vantage point that I have from this street angle. I'd like to know if I can park in your driveway for about four hours. Is that okay? And she sat there in a robe at 630 in the morning looking at me. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, hold on. I'll be right back. And I thought, man, she's going to get her husband. This is going to turn into a scene. <laughs> she comes back out and she goes, my husband said you could park here as long as you want. <laughs> I said, well, tell him thank you very much. I said, what's your husband's name? And he didn't want to come out and introduce. He said, he don't want to meet you. He said, you're fine to do it. And I parked in the driveway, sat there with my hot chocolate in her driveway and waited for Mr. Cass to show up. And he did about noon. So I got like six hours and it was great. You know, you you have Stephen one of the doing that very thing, getting permission to be in somebody's driveway, ended up putting you in place to record one of the most dramatic moments of my career, which is when uh, Gary can't even remember his last name right now. The guy who was the therapist who'd been disgraced and lost his license uh, because he was having sexual relationships with his patients, and we went out to talk to him, and he came out with a gun, and you got you got that shot. You were across the road in a driveway. In, uh, was that Janesville? It was Jefferson County. It was out in Jefferson County. And and you were in the neighbor's driveway across the road had asked permission to be there, and they didn't really understand why, but they said okay. And, uh, and, and yeah, you got the shot. And, and, and so just so those of you who are listening understand, if we want to go talk to someone who doesn't want us to talk to them, uh, we know it's a story. They're not going to like being on TV. We're looking for an opportunity to hopefully find them outside where we can approach walk up, say hello, and ask some questions. Because if you knock on the door, a lot of times 
they're not coming to the door. They're going to ignore you. They're going to stay inside, or at most they might crack the door open briefly. And so you watched, and you, uh, I was down the This is, again, Kale Zimney and I down the road. We couldn't see what was going on. You're across the street. You're watching. You see him. He said, Brian, he's outside walking the dog. He's walking the dog. And all I could think was, that's a perfect opportunity, right? He's going to be outside for a while. He's got the dog on a leash, so we approached. and, uh, and But then he went back in the house when he saw us and came back out with the gun, and you were still in place, and had you not been there, we would never have had the shot of him coming out with a gun in his hand to uh, to, to intimidate us. Well, and, and that's well, that was one of the more scary times because I, was, I saw it, and I thought, do I call Brian and tell him that he has the gun and I see it, or do I hope that he sees it as I see it, and what do I do? Because there are going to be a lot of people at the station that are going to want to talk to me about this if this goes bad, and... I remember trying to thinking I was going to call you, but that I didn't want to startle you with that. And recording all of it was very important. I said, well, I know I have to record this. So I remember doing that. And then I just left it because by that time, I think you understood what the deal was. Uh, but it, it's in a split second on that specific instance. That was one of the few times where I, I was like, which way do I go? Do I, do I warn you? Do I get out of the van? Do I, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I don't want to, escalate this anymore so i'll just stay put you know you know what you you've done you've done those with jenna too uh, confrontation type things or you know th- unscheduled interviews but i mm-hmm. but but, but I, th- I i get this i get the sense jenna that people don't quite respond to you the same way as me i think you're they like you more <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much um i always like doing those with steven because he's really good with the camera on his shoulder and moving quickly and adapting in different situations, but Steven's done undercover shopping for me on several occasions um, when we do stories about products. Um, And I would say the, I was thinking about the worst I ever felt asking you to shoot something was uh, the party house at 2 a.m. in Milwaukee. (laughs) Oh yeah, I had to do that guy twice. Right. I asked again. Um, yeah, D- Duran May was operating an illegal party house, and I had Steven sit outside and film people walking in at after two in the morning. I still remember that video. I mean, for whatever that's worth, like that's video that I can remember. I can vividly see people going up those stairs in the house or whatever. That so. w- that was like that was like our second episode of Open Record. I was yeah. I was glad she didn't ask me to go into the party because I mean I that place we- was packed. I think we had a brief discussion and then we decided it was not worth it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, but I felt bad for your wife too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jenna was good about uh, when you're shooting in a store with her. She's, uh, we, I think we did one with, with the phone. She's like, oh, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'll just do it. It's a great idea. <laughs> you mean, because so, sometimes you just follow me in with your cell phone. And we just do it that way. Yeah. The worst I ever felt as far as a situation I put you in, this is the one where the, it was the, the guy was showing you a property. What, what, I'm, why am I playing? You know what I'm talking about. Was it, was this Gaithan Anderson? Gaithan Anderson, who was a, a guy who had some issues with uh, f- fraud involving some local Milwaukee properties, and he was, he was selling a place, right? He was selling a place, and he was showing it to me, and I had the... Uh, we have, I probably shouldn't even tell him. Should we tell him about the, the cup? Yeah, you know what? You might as well at this point, just tell him about the cup. So there's a there's a coffee cup that we have that records uh, video. And it's quite awesome, actually. And I had that. And then Brian was across the street. And I was in this old abandoned 
bar with an apartment on the top. And so he was showing me the whole place and there was there was zero light inside this place. So he's talking to me about, you know, the square footage and all this stuff. And I, I couldn't see. And so I tripped coming down the stairs. We were on the apartment side. He was just showing me what it looked like. And then we came down the stairs and I fell. And I remember thinking, where, how am I going to uh, uh, position this cup? Because I can't just say, hey, I got you under uh, surveillance. I need to know if this camera is aiming in the right way. <laughs> and so I picked it up and I was like, man, I, there's no way to know because we never figured out. We never shot with it in the dark like that. And uh, it turned out that we could use some of it. But yeah, I remember that. It was dark and then he showed us the place and then let us out. And then I think you confronted him soon after that. I just remember as he took as he took you inside the building. We know this is a, this guy's a convicted felon, and we're, you know, and here the sh door shut behind you in this shady looking place. And I thought, oh boy, I'm glad I'm out here and I'm not in there. <laughs> yeah, Gaither was all right. I mean, you know, and then you know, we sat on his house for I probably was out here his house for like two weeks. I think I I used the I parked in a neighbor's house too there. The other time uh Brian sent me to do the what's the guy? Oh, what's his name? Out west somewhere, out in BFE somewhere. And uh he was he, I had to get up early and you told me to go park in a bank parking lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That was uh that was the uh the guy who had the pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme, Ponzi scheme. Him he and his father had a, a financial investment Ponzi scheme out in like Exonia, right? Exonia. And and there was a, a a business out there, and it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And we're trying to get a vantage point on when this guy was coming and going. And I looked at the maps online, and I said, you know, I think there's like a bank parking lot next door that would give you just the right vantage point. And so Steve parked in the bank parking lot. Um, and, and so he tell us what happened, Steve. So <laughs> and you know, just idiots. And so I'm in the I'm in the bank parking lot about four thirty in the morning. I'm the only one there. And the bank managers and the employees start getting there about 6.30 or so. And I was waiting for this guy to show up for work so I can get this shot. And the way I had it set up was I had two doors I could monitor. And if he parked where I thought he would, I would have a good 15, 20 seconds of this guy walking, which would just be just enough for what I need. So I'm sitting there watching the whole thing. And I hear this knock on the back window of the van. And I'm in denial. I ignore it. The knock gets louder. And I peer from the curtain and there's just this man in a suit staring at me. And I was like, oh, man. So I said, I gave the thumbs up to him. It's like, hold on. And I get out of the van and he says, can you please tell me what you're doing in my bank parking lot at some ungodly hour with curtains? <laughs> in a van. <laughs> in a van. And I said, sir. I know I don't even know what I don't even want to know what you're thinking. This is really, really bad. I said, I work at Fox Six. This is what I'm doing. I need a shot at this guy. He's supposed to show up here about seven sometime. And I'm waiting for him. He says, Well, I'm going to have to politely ask you to wait somewhere else. <laughs> and I thought, well, thank you for not calling uh, the police and the sheriff and everybody else you could think of. Being a bank parking lot, I was always glad it wasn't like the FBI or something that showed up. I'm wondering what what in the world is going on. And uh I hastily moved and it was not a good vantage point. And that guy saw me that day too. He, he saw me uh, from the other spot that I could uh, get him. So I, that wasn't, I wasn't concealed very well. And then what was the, there was another guy that 
busted me too. That came up to the window. You recorded that on your phone call where I was whispering to you. Yeah, that was right at the beginning of this one. That that's uh, Larry Kane. That was another another uh, great moment in in our our history. We could talk about them all oh, day. My flaws, really. <laughs> but the best day to get somebody to me was been on Trash Day and the day they get mail because they will show up. Um, that's one of my tricks to look at people's trash schedule if I have an address. If they're mowing the lawn, if they're uh, bar- if they're grilling out, that's great. Smoke smokers smokers are excellent because they stand outside for a long time. True, true. So I want to I want to ask this because we've talked about the job, but you've been here for eleven years and you have raised a family while while this whole thing has been going on. As as a coworker, as a friend, I've been able to watch your family grow. And journalism in your family is a family affair. It's not just Steve Davis, but uh, your wife is also a journalist as well. That I imagine some of our listeners might recognize. Want to talk a little bit about your family? Yeah, my wife is Courtney Garish, and she works. She worked at TMJ for years, and she is now at Spectrum. I'll tell you a funny story. This just happened last week. So I'm talking to my boys about college and all those kinds of things that hopefully will be in their future. And they ask about what's a major and what's a minor and how do you pick what you want to do? Can you change your mind? All that bit. So they said, Dad, what's your major? I said, well, it was journalism. He said, well, what was mom's major? This is my youngest son. He's eight. And they, I said, journalism. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, and he watches his mom on TV, uh, you know, a couple times a week. And with a straight face, he says, boy, it sure looks like mom won that journalism thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, do you know that I have six Emmys that are in the garage right now? Do you know that I have six Emmys that are sitting in the garage? In the garage? No, I'm <laughs> yeah, my wife won't let them in the house. <laughs> my question is, what time did he get done with the chores that night? Yeah, right. He's still doing them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it's an honest, uh, honest to goodness thought, you know. And then uh, uh, our boys are like, they see this, you know, the the bad side. Like we we've been fortunate here; where we don't have to miss a whole lot. But you know, it, it and we all know the pull that journalism takes on on family life and whether or not it's truly set up for family life sometimes but uh we've made it work and there have been no regrets about it but uh you know there's a change that comes with an opportunity and so that's part of why i'm uh i don't want to say taking the exit off the highway here or jumping off the merry-go-round as it were but uh making a slight change. It, it will be dealing with you on a different level, I'm sure. <laughs> can, can you share what you're going to be doing or is that? Yeah, I'll share. It's uh, the media relations manager at Milwaukee Public Schools. And so all things media related, obviously. Um, and I think knowing the 24 hour news cycle and a little bit how journalists uh think and work, uh, I think was attractive to the people that asked me questions. And they're going to give me an opportunity to prove that here pretty soon. So I'll start that in January. And we are are anxious to see how all this works out. (laughs) So it'll be it'll be fun. Um, 
you talked about some of those questions they asked you, and I think it's interesting because we see a lot of people in the news business who will even go into some form of public relations or communications. Um, but all, many times they're going to a place where that communication is not necessarily going to be adversarial. Milwaukee Public Schools certainly sometimes is on the end of things where there's more of a crisis communications type thing, right? You got the investigative reporter calling and they've got open records requests pending and, and it's not necessarily going to be a happy story. Obviously, they'd like to see some coverage uh, of things, uh, of some of the good things going on in the district, I'm sure, as well. But how did that play into your uh, interest and maybe their interest in you uh, because of your experience on the other side? Well, it, you know, my, my boys are in, in Milwaukee Public Schools. And so, you know, I, I think being exposed to it uh, from their educational standpoint. And, and I, I think, you know, I'm an outsider. I'm not from Milwaukee. Um, I'm not born and raised here. So I think my view is a little different than most maybe. I think uh, Milwaukee County probably, uh, I was going to say enjoys, but that's not the right word, uh, uh, suffers through some of the more socioeconomic problems that any major city has. And, you know, you have kids here that are of young age that are going to come through here and be citizens. And I think if you can help in that lane that you should do so. Um, you know, and I explained to my boys that we live in a city where uh, there are opportunities, no doubt, that you have in Milwaukee. And there are some kids that have to work really hard to get opportunities because of the circumstances they live in. And they go to school with some of these boys and girls. Um, and, you know, some of it will sound lofty and, you know, it's, it's providing an example for them. It's providing a, a, a way to uh, give back in a sense. And it lets me lean on some skills that I've learned over a, a, a couple of decades now where I won't feel like, cause I'm not a teacher, you know, I have no interest in that. Um, having two boys and trying to teach them to do things is all I can handle. I couldn't imagine doing a, a school room of 25 kids. That would be unbearable for me, but I think, uh, um, maybe helping out with the Milwaukee public schools in that endeavor, um, would, uh, make me feel good about what they're doing for my children. And so that was a big push for me. Um, it was not something that I really thought about a whole lot. You know, I wasn't looking to leave here, um, but in having some conversations with them, I think that uh, it seemed like, you know, a good idea. And so that's part of what the big push was for me to say, I'll do it. Um, and I think it's, uh, they have some opportunities there. and. Um, I know that um, my good friends here at Fox 6 will be as steadfast as they always have been. And I will probably glare at you from a window. <laughs> Brian, if, if I if I if I come in with a coffee cup, just be careful what you say. <laughs> exactly. So uh, and I, you know, it, this world is small. I think Milwaukee is probably two degrees of separation. You can't walk in this town without somebody knowing somebody that knows somebody. And it's I've lived in five different cities and I've never felt uh, that in any other place but Milwaukee. And I think um, we all live here. And I think being a part of what we all have, what we all call home is important. And I think uh, if we can tell some good stories and, you know, bad stories come, but those are all opportunities, too. Um, just because there's a bad story doesn't mean that there's a there's a bad outcome. Um, I think there are some ways that you can talk about those things and address them in a, in a manner that is helpful to everyone that's involved. And, you know, maybe that's naive. I'll find out in January and we'll see. 
but uh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ringer and see what happens. Well, like I said to you, yeah, when you told me, I said something along the lines of, well, I hate to tell you, but I think you're going to be really good at this. And I think that you've, you're very adaptable and you do well in these heated situations. And I think you've got a very level head about you. You see big picture issues really well. And um, I wish you luck. I think you're going to be really good and, and we're going to miss you. I, I think I had an expletive when he told me. I, I wasn't like, oh, <laughs> you're going to be great. I, I literally don't think, I think I swore. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with Jenna. I think, you know, you are one of the easiest people to work with, despite, you know, sometimes she discrepancies and expense reports <laughs> that I have to keep sending back because they're not correct. But um, aside from those That was things, supposed to be our secret. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. We're airing grievances right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Today's um, all about unveil unmasking That's the secrets, right. So. That's right. But I, I agree that, you know, it's going to be a big loss to the department and then um, we're just going to miss you a lot. But I know you're going to be great. So I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the timing of this means you are avoiding surveillance in the coldest months of the year. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. Yeah. No, Steve, we, we're obviously going to miss you. I mean, 11 years, I've been at Fox 6 for 18. You've been the investigative producer for, for uh, the majority of my time here at Fox 6. And boy, have we done a lot in that time. Um, the, un the unit has evolved. It has changed. Um but obviously that kind of consistency certainly helps. And, I, and you know, it's uh, we, we, we hate to see you go, but we wish you the best of luck at Milwaukee Public Schools. And I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it's time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And of course, here to ask us that question is executive producer Sarah Smith. What do you have, Sarah? It's something um, festive and holiday related, actually. Um, so we recently got a press release that a National Confectioners Association conducted a survey on the right way to eat they say everyone's favorite holiday sweet. I disagree. It is not everyone's favorite. I think it's disgusting. Um, the right way to eat a candy cane. So imagine a candy cane of, of a regular size one, not those little baby ones, but a regular size one. So do you, what's the right way? Do you eat the straight end first? So you kind of in, turn it over and do you eat the curved end first or do you break it into pieces and just kind of eat it like that? I guess the other option is like suck on it until it becomes a weapon. You know, it's funny <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? It becomes a point, and then, exactly like, God forbid, you, you poke your lip, and they're like, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't particularly like candy canes. I'm not a big, like, you know, peppermint sugar kind of thing, but. Uh, unless it's like peppermint bark chocolate or something like that. But but with candy canes, when I was a kid, I would always I would start with the hook end. But then you'd be sucking on that hook end and it would get sharp. And then I would kind of you sort of you plan and you stab yourself like a fish hook. <laughs> that's not that shouldn't continue. Um, I think that's probably the way I would do it. But, you know, that's I always did the curve part first. First, doesn't it get sticky on your face? How do you like snap it off or do you like stick the whole thing in like a retainer? Or like a retainer, and then I would just like break it, you know, okay. like with your jaw or something. But if I had kids, like young kids, I wouldn't let them do let them do that. No, you that's, snap that that's up dangerous. into seventy eight pieces, Schnitzels right, 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 or right. shards. That's a grown up, Andy. You can't have it. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Jenna? I think you're all nuts. You eat, you peel the plastic off the bottom and you hold the curve part like yes. a little handle. Yes, and with then you the plastic start on still the... on it so you don't get sticky fingers. Right, but then when you peel the plastic, it's going to break a couple times and then you just eat the pieces. I thought about buying some candy canes yesterday at the grocery store, but it was $3 for like nine. I was like, no. The audacity. <laughs> I don't like them this much. That's, yeah, were they good they flavors? At least dollar. there's like better flavors out there now. Well, like now my kids don't like peppermint. And... So like they have the Starburst ones. That's, that's what yeah. I had oh, my hands okay. on. That's, yeah. that's a different That's story. not Christmas that, okay. candy though. I, I'm one of those people though that some of these traditional things like we, at Halloween, whether if it's the, the candy corn, I'm a no We're not going to start hating it's, on candy corn here, my man. Wait, but I, <laughs> so I brought, I brought it back in. I'm just saying there are the traditional things. Candy canes, same thing for me. I'm just not a huge fan. But if you do get into like maybe chocolate, like some of them have like a a, a chocolate twist candy cane, maybe that that might be. But regular just peppermint candy cane, I'd rather just do something. Chocolate else. twist candy cane. I've never disgusting. seen that in my life. You've never had one? <laughs> no. They have, have like a like a brown a brown stripe mixed in, and it's got a little bit of a chocolate flavor, and it's very <laughs> they're 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 all right. I could. We should get some for Jenna so she'll have some. I have no idea. In this economy? <laughs> it's probably $12. Just expense it, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, thank you very much for being here. Producer Pete, Stephen, uh, here on Open Record. And, of course, thank you for your 11 years of service to the Fox 6 investigative team. And, and we wish you the best of luck at Milwaukee Public Schools. Thank you, sir. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. It's the last time I'm going to say this. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, of course, executive producer Sarah Smith, and Jenna Sachs. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. We will be taking a brief hiatus for the holidays, so no podcasts for the next two weeks. We'll be back in January with all new episodes. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back in 2023.